All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Hey. Oh, hey. You're in your tropical shirt. You must be feeling tropical temperatures in your uh, office. Well, yeah, I really don't have a whole lot of control. I don't know if tropical... See, the word tropical evokes some kind of relaxation and pleasure (laughs) and escapism. I can't escape it, man. Can't be done. It can't be done. Yeah, it's... uh, I'm starting to get some airflow in here. The humidity broke. I don't know if you know this. Today is definitely different. Yeah. You're you're good now. Like we were, I was just sitting on the waterfront for a second, and I had goosebumps. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you mean like emotional goosebumps, or it was just? Well, I will tell you, there was a group of uh, seventy plus people doing a sort of Sicilian flash mob at one point, and the the temperature also kind of gave me goosebumps. There was like a, a cold mist coming off. Right. Right. Let me I do was it. with a group of people who were, were shocked that I uh, do a podcast and they wanted me to give them a shout out. So I, I told them I would. I'm not sure if they'll ever hear it, but I said I would. Wait a second. Were you with strangers and you happened to share that you do a podcast? No, I was actually with good friends. I was with family. Oh. Uh, fi- uh, Jen's uh, cousin, uh, Jen's two cousins. Oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, we do this podcast. We don't publicize it. And uh, we've been, we're over 160 episodes, but uh, we, we're over 160 episodes, right? This we're is like 162 is where we stand right now. Okay, cool. So uh, I was like, we don't publicize it because we're weirdly worried that it's going to haunt us in some way at some point in time. Yeah. But this is uh, 162. So are th- these aren't, these aren't any of Jen's, Jen's cousins who I happen to know, are they? Yeah, it actually is. So Emily is one of them. Emily. I went to school with Emily. Yeah. And Kate is the other who uh, stood in, in our wedding. Kate. Uh, I don't know Kate. Okay. You'd know her to see her probably. All right. I don't. Okay. I don't know why that would be, but she seems it's great. It's her birthday. Hey. Well, she was at my wedding. That's happy birthday. There was a lot of people at your wedding though. That's true. Well, That's happy, true. happy birthday to Kate. Okay. Uh, a little bit of ground to cover because it's been a millennia since we did a pod together. It certainly has. Uh, this is this is actually very groundbreaking, groundbreaking for uh, episode one sixty two of the show. First time we've ever done this podcast, not on my old MacBook Pro. Oh right, you got the new setup. How's how's it looking? Seems to be pretty good. Everything's good. We've got uh, a, a slightly more professional operation. It sounds exactly the same. I hope. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. But it uh, it's comfortable. It's just not comfortable because of the heat. And and yes, just to go back to the tropical shirt you commented on a second ago, I think we said this recently. Um, I feel like an imbecile in these sleeveless shirts, but it is 27 degrees in this room. It's the hottest room in the house. Totally. I've been wearing them uh, day and night for the last two to three days. You know when you have like a, when you're a kid and you're at uh, Thanksgiving dinner and so nobody's keeping a very close eye on you because they're they're catching up with their uh, their extended family. And so you take a dinner roll and you squish it in your palm until it's like a very, very tight, uh, clammy, disgusting mass of, mm. of yeast and gluten. And and it uh, you, you know what I'm talking about? And you, and you throw it at your sister's eye and she screams, but the parents are still kind of catching up. So you're not quite getting disciplined in the way that you know you should be getting disciplined. Right, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So that little mass is kind of what my uh, armpits look like 
when I wear these shirts. Oh my god! <laughs> and so I, uh, <laughs> and so that's why I feel a little on display, a little silly. But a uh, man's got to do what man's got to do. Hey man, that's a weirdly delicious way to describe your armpits. <laughs> and I am gluten intolerant. <laughs> How you doing? How you been? Good, man. Um, you know we've uh, been enjoying the weirdness of this summer. Yeah, it's been what two weeks, three weeks since we last spoke. We missed two weeks, so it's been three weeks since we last spoke. Three weeks. Yeah, yeah. A lot's gone on in the entertainment world. Oh God, yeah. Where to begin? Oh well, I wanted to start. I wanted to start here. It's not strictly television movies related, but you live with an authority on the subject, so I wanted to know uh, what Jen's feelings on folklore might be. You know, I don't think she's given it a good listen. That's ridiculous. I listened to it last night, and yeah. I think that. I am going to be in a camp of liking it more than her. I, I listened to it weirdly while mowing the lawn. Mm-hmm. And I thought songs, especially like um, Seven, uh, very like Father John Misty-esque. And I realized, I, I did some digging on it, and I realized the guitarist for The National yeah. helped write. Did he help write a lot of the album? I don't know. No, he didn't. Uh, you got to be careful with the word writing when we're talking about Taylor Swift because she's strictly the, the Sorry, like singular collaborate. writer. But yes, like producerially, she she drew from the national well heavily and also Jack Antonoff, who's, I guess this is probably his fourth or fifth album with her now. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's good. I, can, I guess I don't, I don't, I can see how it wouldn't necessarily be what Jen looks for in a Taylor Swift song, but I've had the T-Swift conversation with her before and I did want to know her feelings on it. I think August is like, a great pop song and like capital G great like in that we don't get that many that are as great as that song which one's the one with um Bonnie Vare? uh I think it's called it starts with an E there's a song called Elixir is it a, it's not Elixir Escape I don't know it's early on it's okay I'm not I'm not wild about that song I don't mind that song yeah I, I like I actually think the whole album starts strong like it just sits right with me more so than than some of the poppier songs although right. i still i was i was saying like i actually i didn't tell anyone this but i was thinking it the other day and it might just because jen listened to it so much but i get trouble and 22 stuck in my head all the time interesting because trouble like i knew you were trouble when you walked in that's the one you're talking yeah. about that's a song yep. that just kind of like disappeared with the tide I don't know why. It's one of those weird songs that just like plants itself in my head. It's good. Yeah, that whole era, like for a long time, the 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 most essential take on Taylor Swift was that like she's made so many great uh, albums, but like Red is probably still her best. And this was the closest to Red since Red, since Red and that's why people are, are psyched about this album. It's like quite thoughtful, but yeah, um, youthful as well. I'm a big fan of last great American dynasty because I think it, I think it sets the tone for what's to come from the record. And maybe finally, are we starting to get away from this? Who's this one written about? What's the secret uh, code behind the lyrics of this song? Maybe we're just bored of that as a culture. I've been bored from for a little while, but um, very clearly this song is just like all written from the perspectives of like different people who might well live in Taylor Swift's imagination and that's a breath of fresh air I really appreciate that it's like I mean it's called folklore it's like a storytelling album and I I thought it was great yeah 
Yeah, it's it's. I haven't listened the whole way through yet, but I've listened to I would say at least three quarters of it. I thought Chris Ryan nailed it when he said that uh, dropping it surprisingly was a great way to prevent us from being uh, cynical about Taylor Swift before it even happens. Because there's been a long history of the single comes out, it's actually not representative of the album at all, and then four months later the album comes out and everybody's disoriented and exhausted. That's a great point. You're right. Every Taylor Swift album has so much hype that it almost sinks the ship a little bit, regardless of... If you look back on it now, I'm sure you'd go like, no, oh, no, they're all pretty, pretty good, respected uh, or respectable albums in their own right. Oh, I think she is like the preeminent pop songwriter of her generation. There's, uh, she's objectively a great songwriter, but because she was a pop princess for so long, and frankly because she's like beautiful, she'll never quite get the the credit she deserves. Big fan, right. longtime fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I actually thought she was doing Father John Misty a little better than Father John Misty is doing Father John Misty right now. And I'm sure that would uh, like absolutely sewer Father John Misty to hear. I don't understand Especially that for guy. Me. Yeah, yeah, and you do know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't understand that guy. I want to like that guy. He seems like the guy who I ought to be into, and I just oh, yeah? don't quite get it. Really? Yeah. Huh. Have you have you given a, a full album listen? No, no. And maybe you could recommend one that's perfect for me. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, definitely one of the earlier ones. Uh, they have a little bit more of a poppy sensibility. Although none of them really poppy, all a little bit slower, but Do you know a Winnipeg indie band from like the early turn of the millennium called The Weaker Thens? I was just going to say, are you going to say The Weaker Thens cuz that's the only Winnipeg indie band? There's not a, there's not a lot of good about. stuff that came out of Winnipeg, but that's that's one of them. Anyway, uh, their their most critically well appreciated album Left and Leaving, which is a concept breakup record, uh turned 20 last week, which is Whoa. something because I didn't really even like know them until like 12 years ago. I didn't realize it wasn't new music when I was a fan of it, but um, I listened to that song today and I was already feeling blue. And then I was kind of just like, I don't know. I, I was barely skating by for the next two hours because it's just oh, a, no. it's a tough one. Wow. Yeah. 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 Someone mentioned, um, well, Regis died. Just a second. Hold that thought. Becky, are you there? Why did you let her out? I accidentally trapped a cat inside the studio. So. <laughs> okay. I'm really curious to see how you're going to relate uh uh, mopey indie pop from 2001 to the death of Regis Philbin. <laughs> it's just thinking 2000 was probably like one of the prime years that I was watching uh, Regis Philbin, like <laughs> in the summers and stuff and, and how the year 2000 is the 20th anniversary of a lot of things survivor included. Yeah. Uh, but yes, also tying that into the fact that it's the weaker than's 20th anniversary. I was not listening to the weaker than's in the year 2000, but um, what what a crazy year. It's crazy that we're 20 years past it. I really only bring that up because we're talking about uh, Mopey Indie Rock anyway through uh, Father John Misty, but also I wanted an opportunity to share with you that I conducted an interesting uh, personal and also social experiment this week. I, um, okay. I was walking with Becky one evening last week and I walked past this dude who was my friend, my good friend, for one year when I was in grade 12. He and I were in a class together. And we had some mutual friends. And so for one year, he and I had a good run. where We were like pals. And like we had lunch together every day. And I haven't seen him in 11 years. 
I haven't talked to him. Whoa. Completely stopped being friends. It was just a one year friendship. And uh, walk past this guy. No cause. No, no, just like good guy, just like completely different lives. Um, and uh, he said hi, and I said hey. And then uh, I kept thinking, like that was kind of nice to just like say hello to that dude. Hope he's doing well. And so I, I was inspired by you because you had recently mentioned uh, sending a message to somebody you hadn't talked to in a little while. Right. Did we talk about that on the pod? Uh, I'm not sure if we did, but yeah, he sent a message to me. Oh, okay. Saying something like very. Like weirdly profound that I apparently said to him. That's right. In grade eight. And you thought it was classy. You were like kind of touched by it. Yeah, totally. And so I thought, well, maybe this is my opportunity to do something like that. And so I sent him a Facebook message and I was like, nice to see you. I hope you're doing well. Uh, let me know if you want to like grab a drink at any point. And he said, nice. okay. And he said, okay. And then the other night um, he asked me to come have a drink with him. It turns out it was just like in his bar. It was shut down. He and I like had a couple beers in a closed bar and caught up. And it was so cool because like, uh, it, it's so interesting to have a conversation with somebody who you do on some like uh, uh, cellular level know really well, but yeah. you have 11 years to catch up on. And so it was very rich. Yeah. And it was amazing to me like how quickly we are having like real conversations and like he and I are vastly different just in lifestyle and philosophy and everything little thing and it was it was cool it was a it was a cool thing i did wow but, oh, anyway and, and very I, and, gutsy of you right and i'm all over the map here i say that because he was my this is a cool band you might like guy in grade 12 and gotcha. the weaker thens came from him and then i got like, bright eyes and a bunch of other like really mopey acoustic sure. you like the a, shins you, probably, the shins yeah. for sure like you like a turn of phrase don't you elliot smith Oh wow! Got it okay, all yeah. from him, and so it was. It was interesting catching up with him. It was kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. Um. Any other highlights from the last three weeks? Well, Regis died. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> that's that's a big highlight. That was a low light. How heartbreaking was that, man? Like, you know, like I, I did. You watch a lot of Regis and Kathy Lee or Regis and Kelly for sure. Yes, that was essential. If any point, like I'm at home during the day and my mom's home, for sure that's on. I mean, like, Regis and whomever is the best morning radio can be. I mean, it wasn't on the radio, but, like, that is what every morning radio team is going for. Yeah. Is that kind of tone. And uh, Such a such an entertaining man. Oh, my God. So and, and just so lovable. And somebody said it really beautifully on Twitter. Imagine holding the Guinness World Record for most hours spent on American television and still nobody got tired of you. No, it's so true. Yeah. And he he apparently like kicked around for a long time. Like he did morning television on in San Diego for a number of years. And he was like into his forties when he got Regis and Kathy Lee. Right, but he he was established. Like he was a journeyman. Yes, but he was yeah. established in like what television was. I think he was like kind of baked into the fiber of TV because he was like the the goofy sidekick boy on like the Joey Bishop show, and he worked on Steve Allen's Tonight Show. I'm talking pre Johnny Carson, right? Um, and and so that's that's pretty cool. It's kind of a, a miracle he was only 88. But when people say, "Oh, I kind of thought that Regis would live forever," like that's the thing they'll say about Alex Trebek too. And I'll I'll have many feelings uh, if and when. Um, but uh, I kind of feel that way about Regis. It's like, oh, well, I mean, if anyone's going to be 101, it's going to be Regis Philbin. Right. Weirdly, did did the Trumpster say anything about Regis dying? I don't think so. And I did think about, unfortunately, just because everything is thought through that filter, 
nowadays. But because like they're both such iconic New York figures, like right. surely they've been at parties together for sure. Donald oh, was like, I'm sure Donald dude. promoted The Apprentice on on Regis, right? No, literally like Regis would have weekly like anytime he was in Florida, he'd talk about playing tennis with the Trumpster. Yeah. I think it's like a an iconoclast New York thing, right? And he's such yeah. a character. And like similarly to Howard Stern, like when he's not the president and he's just like a perv, it's it can be good content, right? Right. Um, whether it's for you know, the the audience of, of Live with Regis or or Howard Stern. So did did Howard Stern notoriously tell Trump stories? Trump was like one of the, I hate to use this uh, celebratory word, but one of the greatest Stern guests ever. Oh, okay. Because Consistently. There's, there's nothing you wouldn't answer. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, no, I don't think he did. And I, I like to imagine that Regis wouldn't like what Trump became. I, I don't know that we'll ever know that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I like I'm, ha- I'm happy. We, I'm happy we won't know that. Man, there's a few interesting celebrity deaths that we haven't had the opportunity to talk about i mean olivia de havilland i don't know that we're going to have a really rich conversation about her but a a legend (laughs) and she was 104 i kind of figured regis might be too we this is amazing how long it's been since we've talked but we haven't talked about naya rivera oh wow yeah which is a uh, really rough one so she she drowned i guess in a boat with like her son yeah, so she rented like a pontoon boat, like kind of a party boat, I think, with her son. She's 33, her son's four. And uh, I mean, she was missing for like four days. Maybe it wasn't four days, but like there was a full 110 person search underway. She was presumed dead for a couple of days before they actually found her body. But it's right. it's so tragic that like, uh, apparently there's something about this lake. A lot of people drown in this lake. Um, oh. And uh, they were both, um, swimming and she was able to kind of get her son off the boat but she wasn't able to to rescue herself and he remembers in his words mommy disappearing below the water and not coming back up oh uh, yeah man this the glee cast is really like having a tough go i know and i i heard a couple of hot takes that like it's not it's not woke to suggest that the Glee cast is cursed because there's a thousand people that worked on Glee and they're not all on camera and lots of people die from lots of different outfits. And let's not forget that all of these deaths are, are entirely different and two of them were accidental, but one was more accidental than the other. And the other was, uh, you know, he was a obviously a monster, but like, I, I think we're kind of overthinking it. Like three people in a, the cast of a like the in the main principal cast of a very popular TV show died in their 30s and that is statistically unlikely. I think it's fair to say the cast is having more of a rough go than most other casts. Well, right and, now as far as life and death goes. And let's not forget the fourth death nobody talks about which is the death of Leah Michelle's career. Because <laughs> that's the one we really need to eulogize right now. <laughs> yeah, she did it to herself not unlike a couple other ones. <laughs> in the roster oh so true carl reiner so did we true. talk about carl reiner also a legend no we definitely have not and um kelly preston whoa what kelly preston died john travolta's wife oh kelly preston i <laughs> <So> bad, <laughs> kelly. oh yeah okay 
She was uh, fifty. No, I know. Yes, that that's very. I, I thought I thought you were talking about. Um, I think Jamie Lee Preston. Jamie. Uh, oh, oh, Presley. Jamie Lee Presley from Jamie My Name Is, is Earl. That's exactly. Yeah, what I'm Jamie about. Presley. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Now you know how I'm gonna react if you ever tell me Jamie Lee Presley has died. Well, what? <laughs> Hold everything. <laughs> I mean, it would be sad. It would be equally sad to Kelly Preston dying. Like, I don't think anybody right. knew she was sick. That was really sad. And like uh, John Travolta, who's had such a hard life. This is like his second long-term partner who's died from from cancer. He had a child die a few years ago. Like that's that's too much for one person. It is. It is. Uh, has he released any statements or anything? I don't know. I don't need yeah. to hear a statement. I, it's, it's sad. <laughs> that's too much. Yeah, it's very sad. And uh, okay, we're we're gonna deal in the tawdry for a few minutes here. Um, <laughs> here we go, <laughs> from death to tawdry. Right, the right. Show, show has it all. Well, and we were already talking about killing your own career. Um, surely you've seen uh, the Ellen updates. Oh yeah, I'm actually I've got an Ellen update on my uh, web browser right. Now. Right. I just hope that when you see um, Ellen Shade, you think of me. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I truly do. Yeah, I hope that I come to your heart. Um, so Ellen, the Ellen DeGeneres show is under investigation by Warner media. I'm not sure exactly what the specific cause of investigation is, but we understand that there is presumed to be a culture of fear at the Ellen show. And so, and so staffers and producers are being, um, investigated for how that culture came to be. And in some cases they try and, um, form the story that uh it's not so much ellen as it is other people and then that doesn't really jive so well with other people's accounts of how she uh, personally treated people and these like regulations about eye contact and uh flying off the handle and all the stuff that we've discussed at length uh but it does feel nice to not be alone it does feel nice and to have she, the right instinct she released uh a, a, a statement or something where apparently she was talking about once once someone gets fired like once he's out it will be like a new day like he was the reason that that are people we are are we talking about andy like her her executive producer i don't know so okay in her note degeneres takes responsibility insofar as the show bears her name and insists that steps will be taken to correct the issues going forward as we've grown exponentially i have not been able to stay on top of everything and relied on others to do their jobs as they knew I'd want them done. Clearly some didn't, she writes. That will change, and now I'm committed to ensuring this does not happen again. Um, so then she goes on to say uh, uh, that one of the show's three EPs and one of uh, and the one at the center of many of the nastier claims is among those who will be let go. Once he's out, it will be like a new day, says a source close to the show. Okay. Yeah, I like so the way you, like, you narrated that though it really sounds like <laughs> the opening lines sounds... of a great Batman episode <laughs> um, okay. I, that time. I just don't buy it like there's there's far too many personal accounts of people having like toxic run-ins with Ellen the boss you know it's funny we've been watching more and more um, little fires everywhere oh interesting Jen, Jen read the book so we're kind of like watching more of the show Celeste. which Jen says is Ing, so the the writer, yeah, yeah. N G, <laughs> yeah, 
uh, Jen says the show is drastically different from the book. Weirdly enough, they go in different directions that uh, weren't necessarily the same. Yeah. Um, including uh, race, which wasn't necessarily part of the. Oh, okay. Book. Yeah, wasn't overtly part of the book. A little anymore. opportunistic, then maybe. I think maybe, but um, it's funny because one of the lines was the the girl the the daughter of Reese Witherspoon kids at school are calling Ellen. Oh, yeah, because it's like mid nineties and like she's apparently closeted. Oh, and and uh, one of the one of the kids say, "No wonder they call you Ellen." And Reese Witherspoon goes why do they call you Ellen? And someone goes like Ellen DeGeneres. And she looks at them and goes, because she's funny. And I just wonder. <laughs> that's sweet. That's I, nice. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just wonder if that's going to age like poorly. Like if someone said like, they call him OJ because he's fast. Cause he's charismatic like, because he'd right, never do yeah. anything wrong. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. That's very interesting. No, I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that Ellen's going to get canceled, but I think that it has been as good as it's going to get for Ellen. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, uh, you're always going to be wondering. How do you find, uh, and we can talk more at length about the Emmys in a few minutes. We might as well save that uh, for down the road. But how do you find Reese in Little Fires Everywhere? Because I am um, just internally responding to all of this outrage on Twitter that Reese wasn't nominated for an Emmy. And actually, I'm huh. I'm quite validated that she wasn't nominated for an Emmy because I'm a fan of Reese Witherspoon. I know she's a great actor. She deserves her Oscar, but she's objectively a bad actor in the morning show. Yelling is not the same as being a good actor, and she doesn't deserve that nomination. So it, people are mad, and I just wondered if she's better in, in Little Fires Everywhere. I mean, I don't know. I feel like she's chosen a very specific lane. Yeah. And I think kind of she has to get out of that lane a little bit. Yeah, she's we also like, she's also that in Big Little Lies. She's like kind of like a snotty yes. Karen type mom, right? Yes, she's got to stop playing Karens for a second. Yeah, like go back to uh, who was it in Legally Blonde? Elle Woods. Man, I I just rewatched Legally Blonde like two weeks ago. Hold there up. you go. Great movie. I, I've never seen it, but I I understand oh. it to be like a, a wholly original take. It would be interesting to watch. Illegally Blonde for the first time here in 2020 as a, a person of your age because I don't know if it's been ripped off like since then I mean it is campy but it's it's just great it's I, I can't believe you haven't watched it I'm sure I've seen some in, in passing but it's never you know I was like it tw early 20s at the time right maybe maybe younger it just didn't seem like something that would appeal to me well you know me I've often uh strayed from my demo as a <laughs> as a consumer of entertainment, uh, yeah, I think for all the right reasons. Well, I I, I rewatched Clueless last night too because Alicia Silverstone popped up in the Whatchamacallit, and I was like, I gotta watch Clueless. And uh, and uh, honestly, like, I know you've seen Clueless. If you like that, you'll like Legally Blonde. It's kind of the same sensibility. I have seen Clueless, but kind of in like in weird. Like I wouldn't be able to tell you from start to finish what happens in Clueless. I've seen it few enough times that it's still surprising every time. Huh. And I'm not okay. up on my Jane Austen, and so I don't have that as a as a guide. But uh, 
it's it's very lovely. Yeah, it's very good. And you know, like I I, I guess um, the death of Brittany Murphy is probably not dissimilar from the hypothetical death of of Jamie Lynn Presley. Right. That's true. That's actually very very similar. But it was Brittany Murphy in Clueless? Yes, that's why I say it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does she and she dies in Clueless? No, she died in the world. She died IRL. Yeah. Okay, I knew that part. Right. <laughs> no, can but you imagine if, you... if in Clueless there's like a 16 year old who dies and they're just like, isn't this a wacky comedy? Well, you did mention that it surprises you, which I found funny. Oh, sure. Yeah, you're right. No, it just comedically surprises me. The pitter patter of it surprises me. Okay, it's got a good tempo. Man, rewatch Clueless. Watch Legally Blonde. I think by this re-watch... is a boys podcast. By by rewatch Clueless, you mean watch it in full for the first time ever because I I truly don't think I ever have. Oh, you need to double feature. They're both available on the streams. Do a Legally Blonde Clueless double feature? Yes. All right. I I truly hope that Jen's cousins are still listening to this (laughs) pure awe of what I've become. You haven't become anything yet. That's, until I watch right. Clueless, Te- text me when the evolution is complete. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, uh, machismo. Tenet. Tenet is likely to get a right, September release. <laughs> likely to get a September release um, in most places ahead of U.S. markets, which is fascinating. This is their compromise. Like, look, we want to open this movie in theaters, not on demand. But since the U.S. is so far behind, it's it's got the green light to open in China. I'm pretty sure it's got the green light to open in Canada. You can probably go see Christopher Nolan's next in September, but not if you're in the good old U.S. of A. I think we're fine to say post-Tenet that um, Robert Pattinson will have completely uh, gotten rid of, erased any Twilight residue that would have been on it. Yeah, he's gotten really mainstream in the last couple, but in like a great way. I mean, obviously the lighthouse is not mainstream, but like if you're playing Batman and you're in the Christopher Nolan movie and he's also in a movie with Johnny Depp that's coming out, like, I mean, Buddy's been busy, but he's not as, he's not as left field as Daniel Radcliffe and Elijah would have been in the last 10 years. And I keep those three gentlemen in kind of the same trifecta of guys who got famous in the same way around the same time and decided that being famous wasn't as important to them as doing good art. And and I think that probably is still true, but Pattinson has become a bigger movie star in the last two years. Totally. And and there was um what was there was one movie that I still haven't seen that was supposed to have been incredible. Um something about like an island or something. This but, is Robert Pattinson? You saw Good Time. Yeah, it's not that. I saw Good Time. No, Good Time was also amazing. Um but I forget what the other one was. I don't know. Hey, the NBA is back tonight. I thought it was back last week, and then I looked it up, and they were like, the Raptors game has been postponed, and I was sad. Oh, that's weird that it was postponed. It uh, It is basically, there were exhibitions that they were airing, and I was watching. Mm. Like It just felt like the NBA was back a couple of days ago. But these are the, the games that will kind of lead toward playoffs, which I think are going to happen in a couple of weeks. Um, actually... It's funny because the Utah Jazz are playing right now, and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were kind of the first. That was the same day as Tom Hanks getting COVID nineteen. Oh yeah, the night before they they were the ones who had COVID. Well, Rudy Gobert was the guy who was like touching all the microphones and like right. 
being a dick about like didn't think that he actually had it and then he regretted uh, that he did yeah he did he was very um yeah he was he was kind of quickly canceled and forgotten about good okay yeah. so how is it have you watched any yet or is it just happening now yeah no i'm watching it I mean, I, i've got a game going on in the background and it's it's weird because they have uh some piped in crowd noise and they also have like screens where you can project yourself on there like i think Oh. If I was watching right now or I was streaming, you can literally have your face on the the like big screens in the background. Aren't they They're running the risk of people of, of people doing like a chat roulette thing? Isn't that going to be I, I guess everybody gets screened. Yeah, I think that they Time actually delay. might have have stuff on a delay. Yeah. And there's only so many screens that are up there. Like it's not the entire stands. It's like a. I don't know. There's probably like 30 seats in each section. I'm really curious so like to see 30 if it's, digital seats. I'm curious to see if it's like a bummer tonally or if you don't notice at all or if in fact maybe it's much less distracting and it's better to just watch the great game and not see all these people who are having a better night than you. It it looks very there's a lot of digital stuff going on in the background including stuff on the floor right. like logos that they've superimposed which you don't notice until like a ref goes and stands over it and there's kind of a weird shadow. Okay. Who's playing? Uh, right now it's the Utah Jazz and the New Orleans Pelicans. All right. Pelicans is not yeah. a very, speaking of machismo, that is definitely the legally blonde of NBA teams. Yeah. And it was funny because I was watching for the, for the exhibitions, they actually had the home announcers um, announcing and Every time they were talking about the Pelicans, they were just calling them the Pels. Oh, please. I was like, this is not something that is colloquial to no. everyone in the NBA. No. I like but, Pelicans. Uh, I just don't. It, it's interesting that there's like the Grizzlies and the Warriors and then the Pelicans. Well, they're kind of famously a team that has um, undergone several name changes. Like they were the New Orleans. They were the New Orleans jazz i think originally and then they moved to utah and became the utah jazz and okay. then they were the new orleans hornets and then charlotte kind of revived the charlotte hornets and then they needed a new name when they started a new franchise and they became the new orleans pelicans i just don't know how they arrived on pelicans but i mean i wasn't in the meeting it's not for me to say how do you feel about the new seattle hockey team is that good the seattle kraken yeah speaking of really exciting brutal sounding names that could, <laughs> like definitely the Kraken could beat the Pelicans. I just love how like what's Kraken is totally going to be a part of oh, the yeah. like in stadium right. gaming and and uh, maybe like hashtags that are going to be happening. Right, release the Kraken is just too easy. There's going to be all kinds of Liam Neeson imagery at halftime. Yeah, I Not mean, half, what would hockey. you name a, a Seattle? I'd call it the Seattle Grunge. Honestly, that's not bad. I kind of like the Seattle grunge, the Seattle flannels, yeah. Seattle flannels, the Seattle, um, Kurt Cobain's, the Cobain's, the, the supersonics were definitely a thing. So the Seattle macchiatos. Yeah. What about the Seattle beans? Yeah. <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> the Seattle, it's always raining. Oh my God. What about the Seattle pike? What is pike? Like Pike Place, weird, I guess. Like the like the like the coffee from Starbucks. Well, Pike is a type of fish too. Like there's the Pike Place Market. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. what what the. I know that that's their in-house blend. I didn't know what the origin was. 
Yeah, that's that's where you see all the all the fish guys throw the fish mm. and catch them oh, to each yeah, other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the fish that's, tubes. That's that, Pike, that was big on Twitter that, a couple years Pike ago. Place market. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Sam Rockwell is going to play Merle Haggard in a biopic. He's going to do his own singing. Okay. I watched um, Richard Jewell. I only bring that up because Sam Rockwell was really good in that, and uh, we watched it. And it was it was an interesting film. I didn't know a lot about this event. This is the the guy who was accused of the security guard who was accused of bombing the Olympics in the nineties. Um, this uh, this actor Paul Walter Hauser was amazing. Right, uh, he was the guy who was in I, Tanya, right? Yes, and uh, I guess he's in, oh, he's in Black Klansman too. Um, and uh, Sam Rockwell is amazing, he's always good, and Kathy Bates was the only one who was nominated, which I think was kind of a lark, but um, good movie, I recommend it. And I'm curious to see this Merle Haggard biopic. I don't know anything about Merle Haggard, but I like Sam Rockwell so much. Yeah, uh, I hear, I understand it to be like, kind of factually inaccurate like i I guess they they took some serious liberties and like john ham's character didn't necessarily exist yeah um i I think that's right yeah it was actually a woman who was the the investigator who probably was the leak the 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 scandal is that olivia wilde's character is a real person um who's not alive to defend herself she had uh, a lot of demons i guess and she's not alive anymore and in the movie, she sleeps with John Hamm, the FBI um, agent, to get information for her newspaper, and that uh, just never happened. And so the family of this uh, reporter were like, that never happened. She would never do that. And then the movie was forced to be like, you're right. We made it up for drama. But they used her name, and it's that's pretty shitty. Like, There's like a, a female FBI director who ran the case who leaked the information. It had nothing to do with sex. It's too bad. It's it's almost like the way that that we watch the social network now, and we like know it to be true. Like we know it to be like a case by case thing. Of but it's like it's right. not. No, I I assume that Mark Zuckerberg said if your clients had invented Facebook, they'd have invented Facebook. I I assume that's I would, word would, for word how it happened. Totally. Literally, anytime I I see anything about Mark Zuckerberg, I'm like, well, he was pretty cutthroat. I mean, like, <laughs> if, if you wanted to invent Facebook, you invented Facebook. I know we hate billionaires, but he's such a smooth talking son of a bitch, that Jesse Eisenberg. Right. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. <laughs> uh, great movie. Uh, no, it's not. It's not really the same because ultimately, Mark Zuckerberg is still vilified, and I don't think there's anything in that movie that like. Um, that uh, like slanders anybody right um one thing i i skipped over and and i just saw something that reminded me uh on the nba front um players can opt to to use whatever name bar they want on the back so there's a lot of people with equality and freedom and uh so and actually i just saw donovan mitchell's name bar says say her name oh wow yeah, so it's Brianna it's, Taylor. Uh, is that who we're talking about? Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. But it's just, his his whole name bar is say her name. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's so nice that they're letting them do that. That's a that's a. Oh really, yeah, it seems like it's There's a very a, big part of the NBA messaging right now, either on like a micro level or a macro level. They're really like leaning into that. Macro, like the, all the guys on the bench right now have rather than having like warm up uh, jerseys or you know like the kind of like full length sleeves uh they just say black lives matter and then there's a big black lives matter on the court itself 
Is there a way we can go over these Emmy nominations without it just sounding like I'm reading you a bunch of names? I, I always feel like it's important that we do this, but it, it comes off a little stale. Well, here's the thing. Like, I feel like this is one of the more stale years. Well, I, f I always feel the Emmys are stale. I feel weird about the Emmys in general. I think there are a couple of good ones I'm excited about. Well, why don't you give like the key like actors, actresses, um, dramas, comedies. Let me just try and stay a couple of steps ahead of us. And so I can bring up like some of my opinions as they go. I I've got... I've got the lists here. Outstanding drama series. I think it's striking that like the Mandalorian is nominated and like Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad, who has a small villainous role in the Mandalorian is, is nominated as a guest actor. I think that's cool. Right. I love the Mandalorian. I've done, you know, many podcasts on it. Um, but I don't know if it's like one of the great television dramas of the year. Having said that, Everything else has been, it's kind of stale. Like, I think this is successions to lose, frankly. Better Call Saul has been around for fucking ever. So has, um, I mean, Killing Eve hasn't been, but The Handmaid's Tale is nothing new. The Crown is certainly nothing new. Ozark is nothing new. Stranger Things feels like a million years ago. It's Can I say, go ahead. The, the way people are talking about Better Call Saul this season yeah. is like how they were speaking about Breaking Bad. Now, I would say a a tenth of the people that watch Breaking Bad are watching, probably less than that, are watching Better Call Saul. It's good, though. But the people that have watched Better Call Saul this season especially are saying it's like one of the most phenomenal things ever. It makes me want to stream six seasons of Better Call Saul. So the outstanding comedy series category is much more lush. I'm excited about it, although I'm not happy to see Kaminsky Method in there. I think that's like a victory lap uh, pet project for a bunch of people who have made better things. Um, but oh, Insecure, that's great. You know how I feel about Dead to Me. Curb, I don't have personal attachment to, but uh, people say Curb it's great. Great season this year. Yeah, but they, it, they're like, they're so hit or miss. But, but it's season, this season was really good. 12 or 11 or 12, right? Like, does it really like doing new things that it needs to be nominated for best comedy series? I think it's like, it's, it's like watching the like 91 Bulls and then they have a couple off seasons and then they have an amazing season and you're like, whoa, that's, that's great. Thank you for putting it in 2020 pandemic terms. I understand now. <laughs> Marvelous Mrs. Maisel again you're not doing anything new there I know you're not but the two uh, the two nominees in this category who I mean if either one of them won nobody could be sad uh, just because of the, the the great triumph would be uh, what we do in the shadows or Shit's Creek yeah man I gotta say so you went deep on Shit's Creek very deep I'm I'm now watching what we do in the shadows oh yeah and uh at first, I was kind of like, you know, I'm getting through it. The last couple of episodes are starting to hit that, like, momentum of, okay, I'm really liking what the show is doing, mm. um, including having, like, a, a vampirical um, board that needs to judge the other, the main three vampires that include, like, Taika Waititi, Jermaine Clement, Tilda Swinton, um, Paul, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Pee Wee Herman. Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Yeah. Danny Trejo. Wesley Snipes. Wow. Who Skypes in for the vampirical? Uh, that trial. sounds phenomenal. It, it's it gets really funny, and Evan Rachel Wood. She's one of them, and they play themselves. Great. It's like Tilda Evan. <laughs> 
Evan Rachel Wood is one of those people who turns up on a podcast every now and then and shocks you with how charismatic she is. You think she's going to be like yeah. a Kristen Stewart and she's actually a blast. She's like an Anna Kendrick. Yeah, she she is like a child star, which I didn't know. I watched that child star documentary, the HBO oh, one. The Bill Simmons one. How Was that a total bummer? No, it was okay. It was fine. It wasn't it wasn't groundbreaking in one way or another. It was just kind of like uh, watching a documentary about child stars that didn't necessarily lean on um, the drug usage that probably happens more often. How much Mara Wilson is in is in it? Because I'm a fan of her. She's one of the great tweeters. Uh, oh, is she? Yeah. Uh, quite a bit. Yep. Quite a bit of Mara Wilson. I, I was interested to see what she was up to. Uh, limited series. We've talked about all these shows on the podcast. Uh, Little Fires Everywhere, Mrs. America, which I, I kind of think you know stands a chance to be something um, unbelievable, unorthodox. Did we do unorthodox? That doesn't sound familiar. Watchmen probably is going to take it. I mean, it. Just critically, it was everybody's favorite. It should. Yeah. Um, Jason Bateman, been there. Sterling K, been there. Steve Carell, like, give me a goddamn break. First of all, not lead actor in anything in the, the morning yeah. show. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah. He's barely in that show. I watched all of it, um, and uh, I hate watched most of it. Uh, Billy Porter won last year for Pose, but I think this is going to go to somebody from Succession, Brian Cox. And Jeremy Strong, I think it's going to be Jeremy Strong. I, I just feel like Wait. there's a good sensibility about him. Is Jeremy Strong uh, Kendall? Is he like the main actor in it? I believe so. He's the guy who was in like Molly's Game. He's turned up in a few things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was in that that movie, The Gentleman, which I watched. Yes. He's a great actor. Yeah. Yeah, he's solid. Uh, actress Jennifer Aniston. She, there's she's very good in the morning show. She's the best part of it. Well, no, um, Billy Crudup's really good, but she she's good. Olivia Colman, The Crown. Jody Comer, Killing Eve. She's the the incumbent, I guess. Laura Linney, Sandra Oh, Zendaya. Um, supporting actor Giancarlo, as I said, Bradley Whitford. See, this is just a lot of names, so I don't need to go through every single one. But there's Kieran Culkin and Matthew McFadden, both for Succession. Like, they're all over these awards. It's going to be Succession's right. night. Um, supporting actress Laura Dern for Big Little, Meryl Streep, obviously. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter, Fiona Shaw. Julia Garner, who's uh, incumbent. We like her a lot. Um, I don't know. Any categories you want me to... to zero in on in particular i I, no, I, I i mind that we keep seeing like the kaminsky method and and blackish too like talk about something feeling stale like i i just don't i don't know if we're virtue signaling with this I, I, it's not a bad show but there's just no way they're doing something new year after year other than all these re uh these uh spinoffs they keep doing dude you talking about my sweatsuit dude that was me doing uh, Black AF. Oh, okay. I don't watch Black AF. Is it Black AF? That is a show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that didn't we? We didn't cover that for the podcast. I just watched that. Um, I don't think so. Maybe I just watched. Uh, yeah, that was a recommendation, and it it wasn't great. No. Well, I mean, it's. I think the well is is dry. Issa Rae insecure. Um, uh, yeah, Schitt's Creek is all over here too. Everybody in the main cast from Schitt's Creek got nominated and the show and the direction and the writing. It would be nice if they won something. It's their it's their victory lap. Um, Good Place, a little bit. Dead to Me, uh, Cardellini, Applegate, Brosnahan. Yeah, I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say. There's so many awards. Oh my God. 
Lynn Shelton got nominated for for directing the last episode of of uh, Little Fires Everywhere, which is exciting because she passed away recently. Right. Yep. Watchmen, Succession, basically your favorite shows. <laughs> Watchmen and Succession. Yeah. I mean, Pumped and Mandalorian won something. But... It's not. It's not going to. No. No, and once again, uh, Seth Meyers writing for a variety series, but not for best variety series. It's the best variety series on TV. Right. I tend to think. I tend to think some, some good Seth Meyers content in the uh, Colin Jost book. Oh, good, good, good to know. You know what yeah. I like about Seth Meyers? I, I mean, I've always liked his his segments and his bite, but lately he's been providing us something that we've sorely missed with the lack of Craig Ferguson's show, which was so weird. And Seth's like still as intellectual as he's always been, but he's gotten weirder. And I'm here for okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Nice. How so? For example, now he's doing his show from the attic of his in-laws house and he just spends the whole show talking to this painting of a sailor. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's to- and, the pa- all- and the painting talks back. It's like really wacky. Oh, I'm all over that. Yeah. That's very, that's kind of Conan-y. Like, yep. remember how Conan would just bring on these like, He'd, he'd like interview Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it would just be a picture with the mouth moving. It's not unlike that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's oh. very fun. It, it's interesting because we got word that the Emmys are going to be entirely done virtually this year, which is not a great surprise that we're not going to stuff a bunch of TV stars into the Kodak theater or whatever in September where we're now basically in August. Um, but it is going to be the worst I mean, as bad as award shows have been, this is going to be the worst award show of all time, right? All the gracious loser faces from people's own living rooms and then them just bailing out. Not a single clap of applause when Dan Levy wins the, you know, the best writing award or whatever. It's going to be a bummer. Yeah. Do we know that there's not going to be a host or is there? No, Jimmy Kimmel's the host. Jimmy Kimmel's the host. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Um... Yeah, probably won't be good, but no. people are pe- it might people might tune in in record numbers because there might not be anything else on, or it's going to be like the same night as the NBA Finals or something. Oh my god, if they couldn't finally like space it out, that would be like they might as well space it out. Yeah. All right. Everyone's got to work together in these COVID times. Thank you for that insight. <laughs> All right, let's talk about shows. Okay. Uh, what showed you, so we did two shows, Love Victor and the Babysitter's Club. Yes. Children's two, shows. Both shows are for kids. Two Hall of Famers in the show show. For sure. Uh, compendium. For sure. We've, we've done worse. We've done worse. We have done worse. Okay. Um, uh, let's, let's let you go first, I guess. Which one would you like to recap? Um, I guess I'll do, uh, Love Victor. Okay. I'm not going to put you on the clock. I'll just trust you to do your best. You can recap the first episode of Love Bic- Victor. It's it's Hulu's uh, reboot television uh, adaptation of the popular movie Love, Simon. Uh, you can recap that pilot in three, two, one, go. I'm going to preface this by saying that I chose Love, Victor because I know the main character's name. Victor. Uh, Victor is moving from Texas with his family to the uh, uh, very progressive area of Georgia, <laughs> Atlanta, um, where he's heard the story of Simon, who was apparently a closeted gay kid who uh, found the love of his life 
in high school and they kissed at the top of a Ferris wheel and the whole school cheered for him. He seems to think that although like people are cool with gay people there, his family is way less cool because they're uh, a Texan Puerto Rican family and very religious and and they're just not going to see it that way. So he's got many opportunities throughout the episode to basically come out and um, uh, tell new kids that he actually is gay, but he's very tentative on it. He gets into kind of a fight. He plays in a basketball game. He almost becomes popular. Girls seem to like him, but stuff always kind of gets thrown off. And uh, yeah, that's that's essentially the, the pilot of Love Victor. Well, I think it. I think it matters that they're going to spread out this story. Uh, they go back to Winter Carnival, and there's like another Ferris wheel, and it, like it seems like he has an opportunity to ask the other gay kid who he's met, who's like handsome, to go on the Ferris wheel with him. But he doesn't. He asks a girl who he has a suspicion might have a crush on him instead. And so there's probably going to be this like whole plot where he like maybe gets close to this girl, but he actually doesn't like feel the same. <laughs> Who is also the the hottest thirty year old in school? <laughs> you think she's thirty? Yeah, she looks so old. She could play like a doctor in another show. She, they... yeah, I hear what you're saying. She plays young Beth in all the flashbacks on This Is Us, and she oh, okay. she's actually very good casting for that part. She she seems younger in This Is Us than she does. I I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Uh. What did you think of this show? I think it's worth mentioning this was originally supposed to be a Disney Plus show. It moved to Hulu, not unlike High Fidelity, which you and I both really enjoyed. Kind of the similar treatment. Yes. Like we want to be able to be a little bit more edgy with it. They didn't go as edgy as High Fidelity. They put it on Hulu yeah. instead. This is the uh-huh. same recipe a lot of fans want to give to the Lizzie McGuire reboot so that it can still have a little bit of soulfulness. Um, yeah. And it does, you know, it doesn't seem too sanitary, but I didn't see the movie. I don't know how edgy the movie is. I'm guessing not that much. It's like a, it's like a John Green type story, but, uh, and was it, was it like a theatrical released movie or was it a Hulu movie? No, it was a big movie. It was a big movie. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a theatrical movie. It was probably not unlike to all the boys I've loved before in terms of its like demographics, but it wasn't a Netflix movie. It was in theaters. And did they, did they um, use the actual footage in the show uh, of the movie? Yeah, yeah, that's the kid. Right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, you know what? I'm I was okay with it. I, I thought it was um, kind of entertaining. Uh, you know, definitely shows something that I hadn't seen before. But I, overall, I, I'm not going to watch it again. It didn't really strike me as anything I hadn't seen before. It kind of it kind of felt like they didn't think to ask a single person from this generation what it's like to be young right now. Like it, it kind of feels like rather than doing a quick Google search, they made up their own slang for what like Gen Z talks like. And, right. uh, and I've talked before about how I think bullying is imperfectly depicted in high school TV shows. I think that like obviously teenagers can be awful to each other, but it's quieter than it's often shown on TV. Like people aren't getting their pudding cups knocked out of their hands. That's not, it's, it's worse than that. It's insidious. I've got a theory that, um, he ends up at some point making out with the guy from Booksmart, kind of in a similar Booksmart curveball. For sure. For sure. That's what's going to happen. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Absolutely. That's going to happen. 
he's he's too much of a of a prime character to to not have that happen to you, right? And he makes a comment that uh, he he knows where Victor lives in this apartment building that's like not a very uh, wealthy part of town. But I'm sorry, Victor's apartment is freaking gorgeous. It's enormous. It, yeah. I, I'm supposed to believe that that's like not a nice place to live. Totally, man. Like us, us design freaks know that that <laughs> kitchen was like pretty tight. Yeah, it was awesome. The, and the, and uh, they made a comment about his his friend who, like, they create this archetype of a character who's existed as the best friend in in many things where he's so um sociable and extroverted but like the weird kid in school and that's the only way they can give your main character a best friend and have him be new in school is if he's like he's doing all the work he's supposed to be like a ducky kind of but like sure uh, like he's like kind of friend he, version of ducky yeah he's he's a weirdo and he's like so enthusiastic i like him lone stone i forget what his character's real name is but he has one testicle so everyone calls him lone stone <laughs> Right. And even like including, young... including the teacher, which I don't buy, by the way. It took me out of it. <laughs> He's like a young Billy Crudup. You think he has Billy Crudup vibes? He's Billy, he has Crudup energy? Just just facially. Oh, okay. All right. Anyway. Yeah, a bit. I, uh, I kind of like that also, guy. Also probably 30 years old. Yeah, this is just what happens on these TV shows. Yeah. And Andy Richter, too. Andy Richter is the coach of the basketball team. Yeah, I liked seeing that. Me too. Although it was like, like, what is this role that you picked up? He's, he just yeah. goes up to a, to a kid who makes a layup and goes, hey, I've been coaching for like 10 years and I've never won a championship. Will <laughs> you join the team? And, and he's like, I guess so. And then he calls over the guy that he just stole the ball from and he goes, hey, Mike, He's joining the team. <laughs> the most offensive thing that character does, Andy Richter's character, is when he's like, okay, well, that'd be $500 immediately. And Victor right. is like, $500? And Andy Richter goes, that's not a problem, is it? <laughs> yes, it's yeah. a, that's, a, that's a t literally anybody, that's a lot of money. <laughs> right. I also thought it was kind of bogus that like th this villain went through all the effort of starting a crowdfunding page yeah. to embarrass him yeah that's what i mean like that's not what bullying is there's just no way yeah right no thank you good point uh i no i don't give it my ass i don't hate it i think it's fine but i don't think it's we... it's anything special we don't give it our ass we're no. not gonna we're not gonna watch this one all right you give me the countdown i'm gonna recap the first episode of netflix's the babysitter's club which i have no frame of reference for but my my wife loves the Babysitters Club books. Just and the loves movie, them. the original movie. I don't know if I knew that there was a movie. No, she just said that she used to. She read like all thirty books or whatever it is. There is an original movie. I saw it in the theaters, and Jen apparently has seen it forty times. Who's in the movie? Is it like a cult classic? Oh yeah, it's um. What what is the girl's name? Uh, the girl from Secret World of Alex Mack, who's also in Ten Things I Hate About You. She was Joseph Gordon-Levitt's uh like main right. draw right i don't know what her, that, i don't know what her name is she was the lead in the babysitter's yeah. club maybe bianca from 10 things i hate about you bianca right all right okay i didn't know that but that's that's nice i will recap the first episode you count me down okay you're gonna recap the first episode of the babysitter's club in three two one this group of of four 
kids like to hang out with uh, children. They're good with children. They want to make some money. They decide that they're going to start a network of uh, babysitting uh, opportunities for the local neighborhood families. Um, our main girl, Christy, is kind of type A and, and kind of pushy and bossy. She's the president of the club. Uh, she's really mad because her mom is getting remarried to this new guy who is incredibly lovely and very supportive of their business and even gives them some business. But uh, she like openly detests this guy. And uh, she gets in a little bit of trouble for being too bossy. People don't really want to hang around her. But in the end, they decide, no, we can work together. And I can try and be a little bit more patient and nice to you guys. And then they start to get clients. And they become babysitters. Did I miss anything? They become the business. No, I like how you leaned in on how the the husband is clearly supposed to be so so nice yeah watson he's no he's no wicked stepfather he couldn't be nicer so in our introduction to watson they're like having family dinner and the voiceover christy says that she doesn't like mom's boyfriend and then all he's doing is just like asking her questions about her day and she's like telling him about babysitters club and he's like i think that's a brilliant idea and then later on he calls her and he's like i'd like to be your first client i'll pay you guys to babysit my kids and she's just so horrible to him and then he proposes to the mom, who's Alicia Silverstone, which is interesting. We never see her in anything anymore. No. And she throws a fit. You might say she is a, a blast from the past. You might say that. You might, I, you might say I was instantly clueless when I saw who it was. <laughs> you, were clu- you saw who it was and you were clueless. This is the second time in a podcast I've talked about Alicia Silverstone this week because Ross and I did the Star Wars podcast. And uh, we were talking about... Um, Anakin's mom in The Phantom Menace, who for some reason they cast like this 45-year-old Swedish actress to play to play the mother of, of Anakin Skywalker, Shmi Skywalker, and she's fine. She's very good. Right. At it. But I, I had mentioned to him that it was like 1997 when they're making this movie. Why didn't they pick like a blonde in her 20s to play Anakin's mom? It seems like the sensible thing to do. And I, I just, just out of nowhere, I was like, well, it was 1997. Why didn't they cast Alicia Silverstone to be Shmi Skywalker? And uh, then she showed up in the Babysitter's oh, Club. She was gross. busy planning for the Babysitter's Club 22 years later. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like 1997 was like the year after Alicia Silverstone was in Clueless. Yeah, that's fine. She could be a young mom on Tatooine. When was Batman yeah. <laughs> Forever? She was in, That was like not that much later where she plays a full adult. I feel like all of these things happened in 1997. Right. Everything happened year. in 1997. That was the big year. That's that was definitely the year that um, everything in Little Fires Everywhere took place. Oh, that's right. That was the thing about the show when you and I watched it. I totally uh, uh, blitzed on the fact that it was the '90s. Remember that we were talking about it on the podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> which they they really. I'm so surprised because they really beat you over the head with yeah. the fact that it's the '90s. Like they're like dressed as the Spice Girls going to parties and like. Well, they're saying Ellen Not is nice. Cell phones. Saying Ellen is funny. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to really scrutinize one particular bit of dialogue from the pilot episode of the Babysitters Club, which happens I very, would. very early on, and they're talking about like basically about how girls are more mature than boys at this age, which is true. Uh, and uh, in her monologue, she's describing that the boys uh, are. Um, sticking Kleenex down their pants and then wiping sweat on each other. <laughs> I actually thought that was like, I was like, is this something that people did? Cause that's kind of a, 
a funny thing to do that I was I've like, never heard of. Good Lord. What an interesting thing to write in this script. It's so specific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. That was, that was something I hadn't heard before. <laughs> and there was something else that she says where I laughed so hard because it was such a like weird reaction to, to what had happened. Like, like the, <laughs> the, the girl from New York said that she, she wasn't in town and she has such a dramatic reaction. She says like, everything was falling apart at the seams. <laughs> like, <that's laughs> we're like, whoa, whoa, wait, that's our crazy reaction to someone saying that they weren't going to be able to make it today. Right. All I could think was if you put out a, like a million flyers and you tell people to call you during these hours, yeah. They will not call you. That's just like, I don't, I, maybe I'm cynical, but like, this is never going to work for you guys. And then it works for them. And I was wrong. It, it works so well. I, I, um, I noticed that their candy was stale. This was very, did you notice when they ate the Twizzlers that they were like hard as pencils? No, I didn't. Stood out very, very prominently to me. What was your childhood book series? Like if, if I, I assume it wasn't the babysitter's club, but it was apparently Becky's and we've talked before, oh, but okay. I loved, I loved like a series of unfortunate events before that. I was like big Judy Bloom head. Uh, and by the <laughs> way, are, are you there? God, it's me. Margaret turns 50 this year. It's 30 years older than the weaker than's left and leaving. Whoa. And, uh, um, what, what, what were you reading? What were your first series? Uh, my first series were uh, the first one I think that I got really heavy into was one called the Screech Owls. Oh, I know the Screech you Owls. Were aware of the Screech Owls? Yeah, got big into the Screech Owls. Mystery at Lake into... Placid. That's the, right. That someone the, stole the Stanley the Cup. One. Yep, the yep. night they stole the Stanley Cup. Right. Yes, Roy McGregor. Sounds... I remember these books from every school library. Absolutely, it sounds like a folk song. Yep, the night they stole the Stanley Cup. Um, and then I got into i don't know if i got into animorphs first or second okay that's a good one that's a classic animorphs was another one and then i just started really reading a lot about the holocaust <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i got so into the holocaust after i don't know what led me into the holocaust from the animorphs or uh the screech owls but there i was i went from the screech owls to the five hour work work week by tim ferris i went immediately to <laughs> malcolm yeah. malcolm gladwell and <laughs> uh, yeah and then i went to outliers right outliers <laughs> yeah yeah okay well um I don't, I don't know if like people are still uh, reading the babysitters club. I think that this show is actually kind of sweet. I also, I also think that this is a demographic that's probably underserved. I don't have a frame of reference for this, but I suspect that there aren't a lot of high quality, like Netflix budget shows made for 11 year olds. And I think that's kind of, it's nice that they're doing that. A weird Jen take. Jen really didn't like the show. Okay. She wanted to watch the movie immediately. She was like, I don't like how, it's taking although there were so many it was such an homage to the original movie even the way that like the main girl was dressing because she's like kind of a tomboy and i'm sure she wore like the exact same yeah. thing like they really made it they really 90s up the wardrobe a little bit um right she was like she was not having it at all they, well, they paid it so much um so much attention even with the clear phone 
yes, but that was a novelty. And this is something I picked up on not knowing that there was a movie that people love. And if, if there's a movie that you love and you've seen a million times, I can see you not liking this show at all. But something that was kind of jarring for me is the effort they were making to establish that it's modern now. And so the phone is fine because right. it's like a novelty and they're making jokes about how this is how phones used to look. That's fine. But it's when they're saying things like uh, targeted ads on Instagram and right. I'll start a Google Doc. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I get it right. that it's now. I, I don't know if you're going to reach 11-year-olds better by using those terms. Right. And you, you wanted to just go, it's just a fucking babysitter's club. Yeah, come on, guys. It's you didn't just babysit. You didn't break the mold here. Right. If you really wanted to, to 21st century it up, just say it's the babysitter's Zoom club where you just turn on a laptop and <laughs> put it in front of the playpen. Good enough. Call 911 if anything crazy happens. I thought the main girl, Christy, was a good actor. I thought I think that like it was make or break with her, and if she wasn't a good actor, it wouldn't have been good at all. I actually do give You're this right. show my ass. I think it's I think it's pretty sweet. I think that she holds it together, and I think Alicia Sil right. Silverstone is pretty good too. I like her her being the mom. I think it's nice. I think my pick was weirdly tarnished by uh, Jen's take on it. Oh, that's too bad. You've changed, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but so I don't give it my ass because uh, I, I don't think I'm going to watch it anymore, and I'm, I don't feel driven to watch any more of it. Oh, you had um, such a lousy week here. You, you almost never give double double nose on shows. Double nose. Yeah, it might be one of the first times. Like I would say probably one of five times I've given double nose. In general, you have a nose. you have a better attitude than most people, and I'm sorry to see this happened. Hey. Hey, I'm sorry about that. My phone died, and I feel like I did not see any warning of it. Like I don't think I got a low battery or maybe I did, and I just like quickly closed it. But I figured your phone probably died because I tried calling you back right away, and it didn't uh, didn't go through. Uh, and I had my phone plugged in earlier, and I just like cavalierly unplugged it and said, "I'm good." You do like to live on the edge. It seems like so many podcasts begin with you saying, "I'm pretty low battery, but I think I should be good." <laughs> yeah, what a life! What a life I live. Well, we were pretty much done anyway. I don't know if we have any more to say about the world at large. And I'll t go ahead. No, sorry, I cut you off. You were about to lead into the the piece resistance of this entire podcast. No, 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 but I wasn't because I don't have anything to say. In fact, I'm starting to feel a little conflicted about this. And part of the problem is that uh, the news regarding William Smith is that he's either doing good work that I don't want to criticize, right. or he's involved in the most like tawdry celebrity bullshit that I'm bored of. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. But our I feel like we're kind of vindicated in our never trust um, original thing because it's showing that they're not really in an open relationship. They were kind of just cheating on each other back and forth. Yes, it does feel that way. It's, and it's so ridiculous that it's it's that exposed that we can even put that together. Yes, I know. But I'm I'm weirdly proud of that. That at least we were never in the wrong for. You're right. You're right. To we, never trust them. We really are quite something. <laughs> yeah, and no one, no one was as early on it as we were. No, look, it's on the record. Check the tapes. We've been saying it check, for years. Check the tapes. To never trust Will Smith, Jada Smith, Jaden Smith. No, no. Willow Smith. Right, right. Or their pets. 
or their pets <laughs> or their tables regardless of color always trust the show show always trust the show show or, do, or don't we're, or don't we're gonna break the news years early <laughs> wait until what happens to ellen three years from now she's the next never trust okay well that's a good point i've been on that for a while too you have been saying that for a while so what you're saying is that we were ahead of the game on will smith we we're ahead of the game on ellen who else would we like to ruin Oh, God. Who is someone that we'd like to ruin? Let's just put it out there right now. Well, who are you? Maybe it's your turn. Who are you, like, genuinely suspicious of? Because I don't want to just, like, take down a peaceful person's career, but who do you look at and go, there's just no way. There's just no way that person is as pure as they as they present themselves. Because that's that's been our trend, finding the the dark humanity in some of America's sweethearts. Yeah, you're right. It's sort of <laughs> that's, like that's our mandate here at the show. Show <laughs> early takedowns before they're fashionable. Ugh. We're just a brower year Perez Hilton. It's true. Yeah. When it all boils down, we're brower year Perez Hilton. I don't know. There's no one that I. I'm gonna think on it for next week. Okay. Because I don't want to just like say someone for the sake of saying someone. That would be irresponsible. That would be irresponsible. I don't want to do it without doing my homework and Absolutely. really thinking about it yeah. i'm sure there's there's a bunch of people in my head that uh that that i could bring up okay well you you get to thinking you yeah. enjoy, you enjoy. do you have anyone no you, can, no i mean oh, i don't okay. trust a lot of people and so it would i would need some time to whittle it down fair enough yeah fair enough yeah all right uh well take care and in the meantime you know who to trust and who not to <laughs> that's right and never trust those people and always trust the sheriff right <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.